Pokemai on all welcome back to the panel Lynn Freeman and for Wallace Chapman this week. With me at Dinera today are Chris Clark, CEO of the Wilberforce Foundation, which supports more than a hundred charities and social enterprises in New Zealand. He's also the former CEO of World Vision. And with me too, Janet Wilson, who is a staff columnist who's also worked in PR, including a stint with the National Party. Well, this hour, we're going to take you to the Marlborough Sounds to meet a woman living in a tiny isolated bay who's been without power uh, for a few days. I think it's back on now, but she's been making do. Uh, and cans have been one of her mainstays. So really interested to hear from you what cans you would not be without in your larder, especially at times like this. Mouldy homes. A fact of life in Aotearoa, and mould is stubbornly hard to get rid of, as well as being a health issue. We've got some ideas for those of you struggling to rid your homes of mould. You'll hear from a listener in their mid-70s who got in touch with us yesterday when we were talking about older workers now being in demand rather than out in the cold in many workplaces. She accepted a full-time job at 73 and is thoroughly enjoying uh, the job two years on. And keep it coming, keep it coming. your thoughts on the, uh, the slow death, or is that exaggerated, of the traditional greeting card are these digital alternatives or just a text, just as good. Email the panel at rnz.co.nz. We can text us 2101. It's ten past four. Hamilton West MP Dr Gaurav Sharma has been expelled from the Labour caucus with the Prime Minister today saying he has lost the trust of the caucus. He is now an independent MP but is still part of the wider Labour Party, for now at least. With us is RNZ political reporter Katie Scotcher. Kia ora, Katie. Kia ora. So how did uh, Guru Sharma react to today's decision? So he attended the caucus meeting when uh, Labour MPs voted to expel him. He was in the room for uh, more than an hour, actually. And when he came out afterwards, uh, he came up to reporters and said that he expected the outcome. He described the meeting as respectful. He said that he got the chance to speak. Other MPs uh, spoke too uh, before uh, they cast their vote to expel him. And he actually said during that meeting that he apologised to the Labour caucus for breaking their trust. We heard from quite a few Labour MPs when they were arriving at Parliament this morning that they uh, had completely lost trust in Sharma. Now, he said that he, as an independent MP, will continue to push uh, the Labour Party uh, to investigate his claims of bullying. Uh, And he said that now that he has been expelled, he will remain at Parliament as an independent MP representing uh, representing Hamilton West. Sorry, he was asked if he had actually considered leaving Parliament, which would prompt a by-election in that electorate. He said that he hadn't really thought about that yet as his main focus uh, for the last last 12 or so days has been his claims of bullying. Now, after the meeting, we did get a statement from uh, the Labour leader, Jacinda Ardern. She said that the caucus had agreed to expel Sharma for repeated and calculated breaches of caucus rules. And she said that the repeated breaches of the rules had resulted in the total loss of trust in Dr Sharma by Labour MPs. He still wants an independent investigation, doesn't he? Yes, yeah. So he was very clear about that when he came out uh, from the caucus meeting that he wants an independent investigation. He says that he wants that inquiry to clear his name, but also to clear uh, Kieran McAnulty, who's one of the Labour whips that he's accused of bullying. Uh, That's something that the Labour Party and Kieran McAnulty have both denied. So what is, uh, I mean, he's still part of the wider party, but that could be in jeopardy too? 
Yeah, so as well as voting to expel Dr Sharma from uh, the Labour Party caucus, uh, MPs also agreed to refer the matter to Labour's New Zealand Council and the Labour Party President Claire Zabo to consider if any further disciplinary action is necessary. So the Council and Claire Zabo will uh, basically, they'll meet soon and decide whether or not to investigate the uh, complaint made by the caucus and then if they agree to investigate it. Dr Sharma will then be able to speak to the council, provide his perspective uh, and they'll go from there. It's not really too clear what the time frame is on that. Now one of the options on the table for the New Zealand Council is expelling Dr Sharma from the Labour Party. So he's been expelled from the caucus but he remains a member of the Labour Party. So they could decide uh, if they believe it's necessary to expel him as a member of the Labour Party and that would essentially make it very difficult for him to ever run uh, for Labour ever again. What will life look like for him from now on? He's, he's going to lose his seat, be in a different situation, what else? Yeah, well, uh, MPs have been off in their electorates for the last uh, week, so today was actually the first sitting day in uh, in about a week, and uh, he returned to the debating chamber, and instead of sitting where he normally would with, with Labour MPs, he was sat at the very back of the debating chamber uh, all by himself. The decision to expel him essentially means that he will no longer receive support from the parliamentary party or have access to or participate in the Labour caucus in any way. Uh, he will have the right as an independent MP to attend any select committee that he wants to, but he won't be a member of a select committee and he will also still be able to vote uh, when bills go through the House. His vote will just count as an independent. Was this something similar that happened to Jamie Lee Ross in the National Party? Well, there was obviously a very different situation. Um, Jamie Lee Ross actually resigned from the National Party moments before National MPs voted to unanimously expel him from the caucus, but he did stay at Parliament as an independent MP representing the Botany electorate until the 2020 election. But if people might remember uh, Jamie Lee Ross uh, in his period as an independent MP when he would sit at the back of the debating chamber and you know wasn't involved in anything to do with the National caucus that will be the, be the same here for uh, Dr Sharma just in his case with the Labour caucus. It all looked very lonely didn't it? Yes <laughs> sitting back in the debating chamber all by themselves. Yeah exactly well what does this mean I mean this is an important question actually what does this mean for Guru Sharma's constituents in Hamilton West because of course they didn't vote for an independent MP. Sure. So he will he will still represent the electorate. So he will um yeah he will, people in the electorate will still be able to contact him uh, regarding issues to do with Hamilton West. Uh, but Jacinda Ardern did say that Labour is going to assign what she called a buddy MP for the Hamilton West electorate. So essentially another Labour MP will be assigned to take care of the electorate. She said that the purpose of that is to ensure that anyone who doesn't feel comfortable going to uh, Dr Sharma for any concerns to do with the Hamilton West electorate, whether they be constituents or you know, anyone else, then they will have other options and someone within the Labour caucus who they can approach. Lamihi Nui, that's RNZ's political reporter Katie Scotcher. Thanks Katie. Right, bring our panellists in here. Do you think this is the right decision? Oh, I'll start with you, Janet. Oh, they had absolutely no choice. They had absolutely no choice and they, they may still 
have to look at the expulsion through the Labour Council route as well. If he continues to do his calls and impart information um, in, in his slightly biased way that he's doing, um, if, he, if he continues to call for the investigation or an inquiry. Um, I found it interesting that he's chosen to remain, and that suggests to me that maybe he will want to be that thorn in, in Labour's side, in which case I think they are going to have to throw him out. He might also, of course, feel a responsibility. Well, he might also feel a responsibility to his constituents. You know, those um, those yeah. MPs who were voted in tend to feel, you know, a real responsibility. Chris, what do you make of today's announcements? Well, I'm, I'm left thinking kind of where did it all go wrong? And I wonder if it dates back to the fact that when he entered Parliament, no doubt he, he intended to be a good MP. He didn't set out to actually set up the Labour Party. But maybe it's quite a change in status. When you're a GP, you're um, the centre of attention. Uh, you are the star of the show. When you're a backbench government MP, it's actually the lowest rung on the ladder. In fact, opposition MPs actually have more influence than you do because they can speak on anything. It's just all about taking hits. But for a backbench government MP, it's actually about listening with your mouth shut. Actually, you don't have much influence and you simply just have to do your time. And I wonder if he found that transition from being the centre of attention to actually essentially the lowest rung in the political um, environment just just too hard. And that explains some of the reasons why he sort of spoke out as he did. I think that's an excellent point, Chris. I totally agree with you. I think um, it is the loss of status and the desire to just... an, An enormous caucus as that... 64 people in that caucus. So he would be far, far less relevant in his daily work than he had ever been probably in his life before. But the fact of the matter was that he kept firing the arrows, making the accusations, and not coming up really with anything to substantiate it. And that was the problem for him. So he kept on going like a cracked record, but really couldn't come up with anything. And I think the only thing that that he could come up with was the, the um, which forced um, the uh, Prime Minister's office to release a response, was the claim of how to avoid the Official Information Act. Now, that was the only thing that really had any teeth and which got the Auditor-General Peter Bouchier, um, uh, Chief Ombudsman, rather, Peter Bouchier, seeking assurances from Ardern. Do you think if Labor do you think if Labor doesn't investigate the bullying claims so that will make them vulnerable? You know, there is that seed of doubt. I think it's a hard one to run, actually, Lynn, and the reason for that is simply the vote numbers. You look at 60 people voted in favour of expelling him, uh, one opposed, presumably that was Dr Sharma, and then one person who's undecided. If there was a wide-ranging uh, uh, sort of culture of bullying, which is what he's, he's suggesting, you would have thought that vote would have been uh, much lower, but that's a pretty categorical statement from the party that says, no, we're not experiencing bullying, you might be, but at least 60 other MPs are saying, no, they're not. Yep, I would agree entirely. I, th- I think um, the party came together as one. Um, and to hear, I mean, bullying is a very strong claim to be made and it's something that has been used and discussed widely. So to make that allegation um, and then really not back that up with anything other than maybe he was the bully, you know, that was, that was the problem for Dr Sharma really. An investigation, of course, could um, handle those allegations. I don't know. I, I'm su- surprised they're not going to go ahead with it. Just really quickly, uh, before our next story, a by-election, of course, would have been expensive, but it would have been interesting, don't you think? Yeah, I think, uh, well, that's a bit of a swing state 
Sharma came in on what I'd call the red tide last time round. Um, National had held that seat since 2008. So the expectation would have been that the seat would have gone back to National. Yeah, Chris, would you have been, would you have, you know, if there'd been a by-election, would you have watched it with interest? Oh, by-elections always tend to go against the ruling party. So I think particularly because it was a seat that swung to Labour away from National, it would probably swing back to National. So I can see why Labour wouldn't be particularly keen to have an election, uh, a by-election, and it probably wouldn't tell us that much. But maybe this is why Dr Sharma is keeping quiet on his future, because that's quite a powerful and perhaps his only card in his hand is to threaten a by-election, because surely the government would not want that leading up to an election in 12 months' time. Interesting text just in says, let's hope Dr Sharma gets back to general medical practice where he's needed. It is 21 minutes past four. You're listening to the panel. Well, yesterday we discussed how to negotiate your salary. And many listeners pointed out the difficulties older workers still face. Huge feedback from you on this issue. And one of the texts really stood out. A listener got in touch to say, I got a six-month contract when I was 72 and was made permanent when 73. I'm still there at 75. I'm not sure my colleagues realise I've left my 60s behind. Well, I spoke to her earlier about why she returned to the workforce in her 70s. Well, fundamentally, it was because I needed the money and I needed something to occupy my mind. Did you feel welcomed? I mean, were there any example of age discrimination? I don't think my age mattered to anybody. I don't think people suppose I'm as old as I actually am, but they definitely saw me as older. Now, you secured a mortgage too in your 70s. We hear some horror stories, really, people struggling to get mortgages from the bank. Was that a surprise? It was a very big surprise. I assumed that I wouldn't have any trouble getting a mortgage because I had a job. But I have to say I got the job about two weeks before the mortgage. But, um, I mean, the, the security of it being made permanent, but the issue was um, banks did have policies and I had, a, I had a big deposit for my house, so it wasn't a question of any kind of ratio. The question was, would they lend to somebody of that age? And it was a blanket no from the bank that I had been with since I was very young. So I mortgage broker shopped around and got another bank and... I was offered it, and at first I had thought I'd have to go into into it in partnership with my son. But in the end, they offered me a mortgage in my own recognisance, which I was really pleased about. 75, still enjoying the job, and I think that is part of it. You have a mortgage to pay, but you're also, you said this right at the start, you know, it means something to you. You know, you're enjoying the company, you're enjoying the challenge. Um, so will you keep working as long as you can? I will keep working as long as, I'm satisfied that I'm doing a good job and, and most importantly the people who are managing me are satisfied that I'm doing a good job, that I still want to get to my desk of the morning and I mean it's not always easy. There are times when I think, oh it's hard, but any job is hard. There are times when you do things that stretch you and you do things under pressure and I accept that as part of life and I look around actually and feel really grateful that I'm lucky enough to be able to work and to enjoy working, to work with good people and to do something useful. What advice could you give people listening to this who who perhaps are in their 70s and maybe they've been flirting with the idea or thinking about going back to work either because the money would be really useful 
or just as importantly, it's good for them psychologically, emotionally, mentally, to have a purpose to go into work and to have company because loneliness, as we know, is an epidemic at the moment. What advice, having gone through this process, would you give them if they've just been a little bit too nervous to dip their toe back in the water? I really think it's about confidence. And it's a big ask because if you haven't been working for a while, it's a rhythm and you fall out of that rhythm and it is quite hard to re-establish it. So you've got to approach it with gusto, really, and plan. I, you know, I found myself planning, but I, I used to go into work very early and because my thing is I hate to get home in the dark. And so I, I don't mind going to work in the dark, but there's something about coming home and the day seems almost done that is in itself tiring. And so I would plan and, you know, organise my exactly how I was going to get to where I was going to go and how long it was going to take and what I was going to do because I was out of, out of the way of it. And once I'd got used to the routine again, that was one part of it. And the other part of it, I was lucky, and I'm sure this is the case, if you ask, people will provide the answers. You don't have to pretend that you remember everything to me, the greatest thing is if you're in a new job, be willing and able to ask the questions that enable you to do it. Now, we're withholding the listener's name to protect her privacy. An inspiring story, though. Are you keen to keep working into your 70s, Chris? Oh, look, I'd love to. And I'm so inspired by the conversation. I was just thinking to myself, hey, come and work for me. We'd love to have that kind of spirit and, and enterprise and energy uh, in our organisation. You can start a bidding war. I'm sure oh, if you won't mind. That's good. Hey, and you know, I think the other reason why it's so good to have um, older people in the workplace is they're often the holders of institutional knowledge. And, and to tell a story against myself, when I was the CEO of Hawke's Bay District Health Board, we decided to build a new um, department next to the emergency department. But various people said to me, oh, don't build there. There are ash pits there. So uh, it's not a good place to build. So we got the engineers in and they did all these test samples and things like this. They said, oh, no, there's no, it's great, great, there's no ash pits there. And so we proceeded to build. Needless to say, about a few days into the building, we discovered an ash pit. Now, I was talking about the same time to a U3A group and a chap in his 80s came up to me and said, yep, yep, I could have told you about that ash pit. I actually dug it out in the first place. And I was sitting there thinking, oh, we, we, we lose such a lot, you know, when we lose institutional knowledge. The knowledge was there, it just didn't happen to be in my organisation at the time. And we spent a lot of money as a consequence of that decision. So true. How about you, Janet? Will you still be you know, pumping out the stories, writing the stories oh. during the investigations into your 70s? <laughs> I would like to think I was because I found, I found that account heartwarming and, and um, wonderful, really. It, you know, someone who can keep on working, who wants to work. And I, I took your point, too, about the loneliness thing. Um, I've always wanted to start um, a project that I was going to call the Happiness Project which was simply going around because where I live in Hawke's Bay, um, there's a lot of retirement villages. And um, these older people who've had really rich lives are suddenly plopped in those places and are left, are left on their own. And the Happiness Project would be designed to go around and see them and talk to them and talk to them about their lives and things that matter to them to keep them stimulated and, and as a learning experience, as a rich, as a rich storytelling kind of project. So um, I found that really, really fascinating. But good on her. Yeah, John totally Gallagher, agree. Getting, getting, getting a mortgage at that age would be no easy feat. And, and it's a, it, 
exactly as she says, confidence, isn't it? It's the ability to push through and just keep going. I mentioned before that one of our talking points today is greeting cards, and I feel I should explain why, because just the other day I texted a birthday message to a great niece, I received an electronic card from a Canadian cousin, and I wrote a good old-fashioned birthday card for a friend, you know, hand-wrote the message... I spend a lot of time selecting it and I used to spend a lot of money on greeting cards each year now not so much, not seeing so many racks of them in the shop so I've been wondering if greeting cards are going the way of the dodo I'll share some of the listener feedback in a moment but I don't know, Janet, is that something you still do? Yeah, I do yes, I do because I think um, cards with, with your thoughts written on them are little pieces of history really, aren't they? Um, and they, they, they tell stories about how you think and feel about the people you're writing to. So I think, yeah, I love them. But I think, you know, the other side of that coin of letter writing, that's gone as well. And I feel very sad about that. Um, I don't know whether you've read the book Letters of Note, but it is a wonderful series of um, famous people writing letters to people. And, um, yeah, bring back the letter and bring back the greeting card, I say. Completely agree. I've got drawers of, of letters kept from over the years. In fact, when I was studying journalism in Wellington, I used to look forward to writing letters because I was a bit, little bit lonely and sad. Um, so writing a letter, you know, was a yeah. highlight of my day. What about you, Chris? Oh, uh, look, when I was younger, I used to always have a problem with the greeting card because it was easy to write the card, but how did you sign off? And when you're 18 or 19 saying from Chris didn't seem quite right, to say love from Chris, you're sort of thinking, am I declaring an intention here that I don't actually feel? And I, I really struggled to try and find the words to say, how do you appropriately sign off a card to your great aunt without declaring undying love for her? Or how do you sign off a card to that 19-year-old that girl that you really, really like, but it's a bit uh, formal to go from, but if you declare love, this was a ten that actually I was so pleased when cards went away because no longer did I need to resolve that particular challenge in my life. I'm a great aunt many times over and I would love to be told I'm loved by the <laughs> yes. I yes. can't get Me enough too. of it. I mean, if you get a, an electronic card or a, or a text, does it mean as much to you? Chris, I'm we're talking about you being the giver. What about the receiver? Oh, I agree. Electronic cards mean absolutely nothing. It's easy to send and it's easy to hit delete. In fact, you've got to be very careful. There was a very prominent doctor I know who uh, had a huge contact list. And when electronic cards came out, he decided to do his Christmas cards that way. And so he sent a very nice Christmas tree electronic card to everybody in the health system, basically. But what he didn't appreciate because of his computer being quite elderly is it also came with a very, very saucy soundtrack. So as a consequence of that, everybody received the card and with it this uh, very saucy soundtrack. And for the rest of his professional career, which is another 10 years, every time he went into a meeting, he'd apologise at the start of the meeting just in case you'd happen to receive one of his electronic cards. So there's also problems with the electronic card. Janet, do you, like me, do you have drawers and boxes in this age of decluttering, which I'm not a fan of? Yeah. Um, do, do you hold on to your cards? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Um, they tend to, yes, they do tend to kind of litter up certain drawers in my house, but I can't bear to, get a, uh, to you know, do away with them because people spend time writing and saying things that are, you know, very meaningful to you. So, you know, I love keeping them. We're getting some beautiful I'll feedback. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Janet. I'll love, I think it'll be a problem for my child when I pop my clogs that oh. there'll be a house full of letters and greeting cards. I'm sure they'll appreciate the fact that you've kept those tokens from their youth. Let's look at it that way.